0: What's up? It's episode 72. Pain Points of Wealth. And we have the three R's right now. We have got the Russian Ukrainian conflict. We have a repricing of growth assets as rates are going higher. Market's not going anywhere fast, trying to find its footing. We're going to give you our outlook here for what we think is going on right now, how you should position your portfolio. And on the tipping point today, I know you're not watching the Olympics. Nobody's watching the Olympics, but we're going to talk about the financial Olympics to make sure that you can be financially independent. So check it out, we got a great show, hit the music.
1: Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth. Giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey, guys,
2: you're right. You had the three R's this week. Interest rates, R and rates R in Russia, right? Russia's on the border of Ukraine, supposedly ready to invade at any moment. And of course, interest rates are going up because of the Federal Reserve. So we're seeing a repricing specifically in growth assets. They're the ones that are going down the most. But the one R I haven't heard anything about, but I'm fearful that the Federal Reserve is going to start to push us in that direction. That big R word is recession, boys. Recession. Yeah,
0: it's kind of funny. We hadn't heard about recession. And then all of a sudden, those economists, you know how negative they are, are always naysayers, you know, complete opposite of us on our uh, show here. And all of a sudden, they're talking about like, once the Fed has changed their tune here, they're going to get more hawkish, tighten conditions, blah, 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 is you're hearing these economists give these dire warnings, like now nah, we're going to go into a recession. You've got to get repositioned. And I don't know, guys, I'm suspect because I feel like how negative Wall Street gets, and the more negative they get, the more optimistic I get. Is that wrong?
3: That's right, right. You've always been a contrarian. You've always done the opposite of what everybody else wants to do. When everybody had a cell phone, you wanted to stick with the rotary phone.
0: It didn't turn out so good for me, let's be honest. <laughs> I was a little off on that projection.
3: But in all serious, you know, I feel like a lot of times, especially when our clients are suggesting that it's time to go to cash, it's definitely the time not to go to cash. And I met with 15 different people this past week. I'm exhausted, by the way. And they all are telling me that they're afraid of what's
2: going to happen in the market with this inflation and that they think cash might be the best place to be right now. Well, you know what, Chris, we're seeing that reflected in the sentiment indicators, right? There's a survey that's done every week of investors, typically investors that are my age, you know, not your age. So they're mostly the baby boomers that they survey in the sentiment indicator. And it is the most bearish I've ever seen in terms of people that are bearish on the outlook. And again, if you follow this indicator all through history, if you bet against it, you usually win
0: yeah, it's a good point. It's a contrarian indicator, meaning when people are more negative, ironically, markets tend to do better. On the flip side, when we have euphoria and people are just like super bullish, that's usually the end is near. And we've talked about this you know on the show a lot lately, is, well, markets don't end when there's not euphoria, and there's certainly not euphoria right now. But what I think you have to think about is, because I think this is what's in the front of everyone is just these inflation numbers. As we're recording this, we had the producers' price index come out this week, which is what we call wholesale inflation that's what companies pay for their inflation is going up to almost like 10%. And of course, everyone's going crazy. We got hyperinflation, the government's going to screw everything up. But contrary to popular belief, if you really look at most economists out there and the ones that we actually respect, which are very few, inflation is actually going to start coming down and that narrative is not being talked about in the media at all right
2: now. Well, you know how it is, guys. When you have investors, you have individuals you know, we're all average normal human beings and we tend to overestimate the probability of bad things happening. You know, there's a reason why Warren Buffett owns a property casualty company, right? The margins are huge. I'm not saying everybody's a pessimist, right? I'm the most optimistic person in the universe, but generally people tend to be pessimistic and the media knows that and they feed that to you all the time that pessimistic attitude. Like, Chris, I bet every meeting you had this week, you know, their portfolios were at all-time record high just 30 days ago and they probably told you, "Well, Chris, how's that possible when things are so bad?" Well you know what, Dad, everybody always focuses on what's right in front of their face. And all my clients, whether they're Republicans or
3: Democrats, or in the middle, they all watch the news. And, you know, as you pointed out, the news doesn't exactly paint a rosy picture of the world and the financial markets at large.
0: And what it does is it suppresses the truth, right? And the truth is probably inflation's gonna come down because like, you know, look what's happened here, right? We were in lockdown for two years. So we spent a lot of money on goods. I mean, they'll take our podcast, guys. How much do we spend on electronics? to put together this podcast because we were literally in a pandemic we needed something to do. Bob, you know, you just bought your awesome condo about a year ago and you bought all that furniture. But now what's going to happen is is people are starting to say, "Hey, this pandemic is endemic." So we're going to go out, we're going to live again, we're going to take our chances. And you know, you see the polls on this this summer, people they're going to go out, they're going to want to really spend money on like experiences, right? Traveling, going on planes, going in hotels. So you're going to see a big shift in spending, and but you're going to see a lot of spending, and it's going to be a spending boom, and that, my friends, is very, very bullish when you're looking at the economy.
2: Well, well wait a minute, right? I think you got it all wrong. People are not going to go on vacation. They're not going to keep eating at McDonald's. They're not going to put gas in their car if Russia invades Ukraine. Don't you understand? You know the the world economy is going to shut down if Russia takes over the other half of Ukraine that they didn't take over a couple of years ago. See, Bob. What you're telling me is Chris is not going to eat a Big Mac if Russia invades Ukraine. I just want to get this straight. That's what's going to happen here. I think he might switch to Burger King. I'll keep you posted, stay tuned. But the fact of the matter is, you know, what we have is investors fear, the uncertainty of what can happen in the future. As I said, they price in more of a pessimistic outlook. And once that fear's realized, they say, "Oh, wait, a minute, that wasn't so bad. You know, the economy's still booming. I'm still living my life. I'm still spending." So inflation is you know something that is something we're fearful because it's just skyrocketing right now. But remember, the biggest cure for higher prices is higher prices. Yeah, that's bobism economics 101. And I think the other interesting
0: thing to point out here is, you know, the market isn't selling off. One specific market is selling off, right? It's those growth stocks. And if you look at growth specifically right now, that's taking the brunt of any selling like the Nasdaq, which is kind of your technology index your disruptive technology index is down the most right now. But if you look at, we talk about this all the time, but old school industries, right? Value stocks. I mentioned Caterpillar this week when I was on Fox Business, is any company that has pricing power here in this new environment of higher prices where they can raise their prices and their customers are willing to pay those higher prices. Well, their earnings look awesome right now. And those stocks are barely selling off. And what we've been talking about also, guys, is the emerging markets are actually positive this year, just like we said on our show. So there's plenty of markets right now that are either not going down or actually going up, which is
2: contrary to what you're hearing in the media again. I don't know, Ryan. You're going to start confusing everybody with these common sense observations, right? Let's talk more about fear. Fear sells. But actually, think about it. If the best beneficiary of low inflation, low interest rates, which we've had for the last 20 years, have been large company growth stocks, tech companies, companies without earnings, companies of disruption and innovation, cryptocurrencies, well, it's common sense to figure out that if interest rates are going up as a result of higher inflation, they're going to do poorly. I mean, it's that simple. It's like a seesaw, right? So, you know, one side goes up, the other side goes down. So the key is, is you have to make sure that you're positioned properly for the current environment. Your goals haven't changed. Your portfolio needs to. Yeah.
0: And the other thing is, remember, history teaches you everything you need to know. And this stat to me just says it all, right? If you look at dividends and dividends are cash flow, that's actual income that comes into you. They've averaged since 1950. That's 70 years ago. Five and a half percent a year increase. So that means that your cash flow would have gone up by five and a half percent a year if you own dividend-paying stocks. Inflation is only averaged three and a half percent. So we know historically by owning a portfolio of dividend-paying stocks that is going to do better than inflation based on history. Like it's something you have to have in your portfolio. It's only been proven now for almost 100 years. I'm sure I could go back further and prove that point even further. Yet we still want to own Netflix. We still want to own
3: PayPal. We still want to own Bitcoin. It's crazy, boys. Well, the other thing I noticed too, Rai, this week when I was meeting with my clients is that everybody's got five to 10 times more cash than they did the last time I talked to them. And, you know, I got to think that's indicative of what the rest of the investing world looks like. And at some point, I got to think that money's going to find its way back in the market, especially if I have something to do with it. Hey, hope you're enjoying
0: episode 72, Pain Points of Wealth. Our subscribership is going through the roof. We have over 65,000 downloads. Thank you. Thank you. Your support gives us the ability to continue to do this podcast. So if you like our podcast, love it, please give us that five-star rating. for it so someone else could use our financial insights. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now, please give us a like. You can subscribe to our channel, click that notification bell so you can be updated every week of new episodes of pain points of wealth. Your support means everything to us. So we can continue to give you fresh new content on the economy, the markets, and of course financial planning. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. That's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And guys, it's kind of sad, but the viewership for the Olympics is down big right now. I don't know if it's because we have a thousand options, what else we can watch. Maybe Americans just don't like China. I don't want to get into that. But Chris, I know you love curling. It's probably your favorite, favorite thing to watch. So you're probably the only one watching it. But I thought we could talk about something more exciting than the Winter Olympics, and that's the financial planning Olympics and how we can equate the Olympics to some of the financial planning issues that we've come across in our firm. You know, we manage over a thousand families, over a billion dollars, and we pretty much have seen everything. And, you know, a lot of managing money or getting the people to financial independence is similar to being in the Olympics. Well,
2: I don't know about you guys, but I think a lot of people aren't watching the Winter Olympics because they have great options like our podcast that they can watch. Their you know, content's been democratized. You're not stuck with what the TV programming is. You can choose, right? You have streaming networks. There's all different things you can do with your time rather than watch Winter Olympics. Now, I've never been a fan of the Winter Olympics. I love the Summer Olympics because we're a running family, right? We're all track and field, marathon, cross-country runners. So it's one thing I look forward to are the Summer Olympics. I'd be glued to my TV if that was on right now. Well,
0: it's a good point, Bob. It's like pain points of wealth or watch curling. I don't know. It's gonna be a tough decision tonight. And you know, when I think about the Summer Olympics and running, I think about the inflation marathon. And that's the thing about inflation, right? It's like death by a thousand cuts. Because if you look at it historically, every 20 years, your purchasing power is cut in half. You know, another way of saying that is every million dollars you have today is only worth a half a million dollars over the next 20 years. That's very problematic when you're trying to be financially independent.
2: Yeah. I think what you're saying is cash is trash and you got to have your money invested so it overcomes inflation, right? You need something that's growing like a company, like earnings, dividends. You need bonds that pay higher interest than inflation. And right now they don't. And that's why you want to limit your bond exposure to bonds that come due. So when they do mature, you reinvest at a higher interest rate. Well, you know guys, my favorite event in the financial olympics is the recession hurdles, and that's those
3: blocks that the economy puts in your way on the way to making your financial goals. Things like recessions, bear markets, hyperinflation, all those things can disrupt your portfolio if you're not properly
2: invested. I watch a lot of hurdle races in my time, Chris, and I the worst thing that can happen to you in a hurdle race is you hit the hurdle and you fall down and you don't get to the finish line. And that's what happens if you don't prepare properly with your plan, you're going to hit that hurdle, you're going to knock it down or you're going to knock it backwards. It's either going to take you longer to achieve your goals or you may never achieve your goals, which is the worst possibility. Well, you know what
3: another hurdle could be is actually yourself. I mean, when it comes to investing, you yourself are your own worst enemy. And that happens when you take money out when the market's down, you keep too much cash on the sidelines, you don't put money in your 401k. You know, the biggest hurdle sometimes can be the person that you're looking at right in the mirror. Let's be honest, guys. The reason we never did the hurdles is because we're all uncoordinated. That's the truth. And you know, it is kind of like
0: investing in the sense that with hurdling, we understand it because trust me, you've never seen one of the hurdles. Is you have to think about your move ahead of time. And I think that's the biggest mistake people make with their investing and financial planning strategies, is they wait till you know the tide has already gone out, right? You have to be proactive with risk, not reactive, because once the market sells off, we go into
2: recession, it's too late. You got to be making those decisions today while things are good. Well, that's the problem, guys, right? Investing is hard. Investing is counterintuitive. You know, you look at all the growth investors, we've been warning. About what's going to happen this year. We were telling them for a year, and they would poo poo the idea. Oh, no, how could something so good be so bad for me? You know, it makes it hard. And when there's a recession and the markets start to go down as a result of the recession, it's not the time to sell, it's a time to invest, it's time to buy, to compound your money. So volatility is something you should embrace. Recessions are something that shouldn't be feared because all industries, all economies, all markets are cyclical. My other favorite event in the Financial Planning Olympics is the
0: hidden fee toss. And that's where, you know, you take those insidious hidden fees that these brokerage firms, insurance companies love to build for you, where you don't understand how the actual investment quite works clearly. And you're paying lots of fees and they end up being like very tax inefficient. And the only person who really wins or the entity that wins is the financial institution guys. I see it way too much. Something you've got to address with your portfolio.
2: Hey guys, you know what the most dangerous investment you could ever put your money in? is one where the salesperson tells you, there's no cost, there's no fees. I get compensated by the issuer.
0: The greatest lie, and usually it's in <clears throat> insurance products, excuse my cough, when they tell you that. And it's so true, right? A lot of these annuities, insurance products, they tell you, oh, no, 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 you don't pay anything. Oh, believe me. We analyze these things like every single week, we probably look at more portfolios than anyone in the industry. You're paying for it.
3: You just need to know where to find the fees. And there's a reason that your money gets locked up for 10 years because that commission's got to be made back in the form of return. Yeah, I love that. There's no
2: cost, but you can't have your money for 10 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a great deal. I'm getting close to retirement. but We're going to take away all your liquidity by taking your principal. That sounds like a fantastic deal. It's the most counterintuitive thing, but so many people get persuaded to put their money into these insurance products, guys, and it's not pretty. We literally spent half our career unwinding a lot of these products. That's why it's so important to understand what you own. And If you don't understand it, it's not your fault. It's because they've made it too complex and you probably got a problem. Like You've got to get rid of that product in your portfolio.
3: Well, you know, it's not just the insurance products that are the big culprits, guys. It's also mutual funds at high expenses, you know, structured products, you know, illiquid REITs. You know, they're all just chock full of fees. You know, we always say simplicity over complexity. That typically, that complexity is the extra fees that are built into a lot of these different funds and illiquid funds. Well, I
2: love it when we get a hold of a brokerage statement. They could own a mutual fund, they could have an A share, a B share, a C share, or an I share, which is the most expensive typically the one we find in the portfolio, the C-share, you know where the advisor's charging as much as they possibly can to the client. When you have private equity or these alternative investments, and I love it, the salesperson will say, or the stockbroker, well, it's very complex and you wouldn't understand it, so I'm not going to explain to you what the costs are. Just know it's good. So there's lots of reasons why you're not told about the hidden costs. It's why you need to always get a second opinion. Well,
0: it's a funny thing too, because a lot of times when you get that exclusivity, like it's private equity or it's something that we only sell to our quote unquote high net worth investors, It's funny you think, but high net worth investors usually get screwed the most because you know, as someone who's made some money, you feel like you know, hey, I'm important. I want to get access to special things. I always say it's like you know, when you go to the nightclub and they have the big line outside, but no one's inside. That's exactly what Wall Street plays on when you've created some serious wealth. They give you that exclusivity play, and usually the products that they're going to sell you, they stink. They're horrible for you. So when they're telling you you're getting something exclusive. Beware, that's usually not a good deal for you, it's a good deal for Wall Street, and I feel like you know that happens over and over again. It always comes in a new form where it's like, Oh, hey, hey, I have something special for you, Mr. High Networth Investor
2: or Mrs. High Networth Investor. And usually, you know, we run the numbers on these things, it ain't pretty, boys. Hey guys, I got another event for you in the Financial Planning Olympics the portfolio balance beam. Now, there's something for a couple of uncoordinated guys to try it to do the balance beam. At- I don't know how they stay on that thing, but anyway, when it comes to your portfolio, you really do need to have a diversified portfolio. I mean, Wall Street talks about that all the time, diversification, diversification. But what really is diversification? Yeah, I think it's something customized to you, right? And we actually talked to our cousin Joe, we'll give him a shout out. He's a
0: fan of our show. We were at the dinner with him the other night and he says, guys, like, you know, break down, like, how much should I have in bonds? How much should I have in stocks? And, you know, it really comes down to customization, right? If you're someone who's in your fifties and maybe you're getting close to your 60s or in your 60s, what you have to think about is you can't be as dependent on volatility or the market going up or down. So maybe you need to have more like 40% of your money in bonds where it's protected, you know, where it's not as reliant on the ups and downs of the market. But these are all decisions you have to make in context of your goals. But a good rule of thumb is the closer you are to being dependent on your money, the less dependent you want to be on risky assets. So you've got to reevaluate those things when you get into that financial red zone, 10 years out from retirement or if you're retired now, it becomes more important than maybe if you're in your 30s. Even in your 40s, you got to start thinking about getting a little more conservative.
3: Well, the other thing too about diversification, this has come up in a lot of the meetings I had this week, was people are concerned about, is their portfolio properly geared towards inflation? And I was happy to say that, yes, it is, because a lot of the things that we own in the portfolio are not only do well in an inflationary environment, but you know what? They've been out of favor the last 10 years. That's places that we've been adding a ton of money into, and now it's
2: starting to take off, and some of the best things that are performing in their portfolio right now. And that's again, Chris, why investing so hard. We opened our doors 13 years ago. Nobody wanted to invest in growth stocks because the track record for growth stocks the previous 10 years was zero. It's hard for people to believe that because in the last 12, 13 years, it's been spectacular returns in growth stocks. No one wanted to invest in emerging markets. Nobody wanted to invest in commodities last year. Nobody wanted to invest in value stocks because it was all tech all the time. I mean, that's something we fought tooth and nail. That just shows you why having Balance in your portfolio makes the most sense. You've got to be an agnostic when it comes to investments. You know, I think, Ry, you say this all the time don't fall in love with any part of your portfolio because your portfolio doesn't love you back.
0: Man, Bob, I mean, how many brilliant sayings do I have? It's just the list goes on and on. It's endless, Chris. It's endless. You know, I've been putting up with this for 43 years. Ego can't even fit into this video screen. Oh my God. A lot of modesty in this room. And the most important event I think you can have, especially as you're getting serious about your financial independence is the synchronized planning. right, And we know Chris loves synchronized swimming. It's his favorite event. He could watch it all day and all night. But there's just something so valuable, and most of you don't do this, in making sure that your income plan, your investment plan, your tax plan, estate plan are all working together. If you have money in your 401k, how does that correlate to what you have in your savings account or your brokerage account? Like Making sure everything's working in concert has big, big benefits, yet most of us we just don't do it. We don't take the time to do it, and it's like one of your greatest
2: allies when you're trying to get to a position where you can live off the land and do it comfortably. Well, I think the biggest problem is taxes. You know, when we work with our clients, we reap tax losses whenever they occur because we believe in our portfolio. It's you know, it doubles every ten years, so we want to make sure that we have any tax loss we can take to offset that. I mean, taking an RMD, you have to do it properly. When you're choosing Social Security, if they properly so. You have to coordinate all of your tax strategy with the client, with their CPA, to make certain that you're getting the most tax-efficient portfolio. Chris, I think the biggest insult to injury is when you own a mutual fund and they charge a capital gains tax every year and you haven't sold a share. Exactly, Dad. This week, I was talking to a client about that exact
3: thing. I pointed out in their portfolio, they own exchange-traded funds where they don't distribute those capital gains unless we sell it. Versus a mutual fund, you get those capital gains every year and you don't know when they're coming, which makes tax planning very difficult and ends up costing the client a lot more money.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. You can really control the taxes if you're proactive. And guys, to finish things off, I've got what we can, with the perfect analogy for curling is if this is the financial planning Olympics, it's like annuities, just don't do it. Hey, Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. We eat, breathe. That's all we think about is what I'm trying to say. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $750,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach you want a more holistic approach and look at everything for you, well, you can see if you qualify for our free complimentary total financial master plan, where we do a deep dive of your entire portfolio and look at everything you're doing right now. We'll build you your own personalized financial portal. We're going to go through do a complete tax optimization plan. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own, show the fees you're paying, show you the hidden taxes that you shouldn't be paying. We're going to do a full expense and income plan to make figure out what you're spending right now, what your income plan can look like, how to get to financial independence. We'll put it together. No cost. There's no other firm that will do this work up front. If you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, go to www.paynecm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, gentlemen. It's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, if you look at the median housing price between 2006 and 2021 and bump that up against the cost of a mortgage based on today's rates, a $250,000 home in 2006 is only a $400,000 home today. So even in the top 20 composite markets in inflation-adjusted terms, We're really just back to 2007 levels, which says that, man, oh man, housing prices could continue
2: to rise here. Well, they can continue to rise, right? Because we've had quantitative easing on the part of the Federal Reserve. And if you think about the Federal Reserve, think about your lawn, and you have one part of the lawn that's dying. But instead of just treating that segment of your lawn, it's like the Federal Reserve has this manure spreader, and they've got to spread it evenly all over your lawn to get that one part that's bad, right? The one part they want to save. Well, what happens to the healthy part of your lawn? It grows like a weed, right? It grows to a higher level. And that's what's happening with risk assets right now. You've had the Federal Reserve spreading manure, right? All over risk assets and risk assets that were healthy are now unhealthily overvalued because the Federal Reserve has done this quantitative easing, which they're starting to back out now. That's why you've got to be aware of valuations. Valuations matter, whether it's your housing price or your stock portfolio. Chris, leave it to dad to use manure
0: as a metaphor for the economy. Go figure. Chris, about 35% of the stock bought by Robinhood users are concentrated in 10 companies compared with at least 24% by retail investors overall, according to a recent study. Robinhood traders lose an average of 4.3% during these herding sessions where they all pile into a trade
3: together. Sounds
0: like that herd mentality is not
3: profitable. Well, this just goes to show you guys that the Reddit crowd, the day traders of the 90s, you know, whatever you want to call it, You know, they're not typically successful. You know, it's not stocks for the long run. You know, the day traders don't typically make the big returns.
0: It's just like going to the casino. Everyone brags about their winnings, but really are probably losing. Food for thought. Bob, Queen was the first act to sell six million copies of an individual album in the UK. Their first greatest hits collection has sold so much that one in
2: three British families
0: now owns a copy of that record. I wonder if you own that record, Bob.
2: Hey Rye, Queen, who doesn't own a Queen album? Come on, for crying out loud. Bohemian Rhapsody was a fantastic movie. And based on the buying habits of British families, I think we should broadcast our podcast in Great Britain. I like that, Bob. Queen and pain points of wealth. In fact, if you play Bohemian Rhapsody
0: in the background, while we do our commentary each week, you'll learn the secrets to the meaning of life. Chris, prosecutors charged a New York couple with conspiring to launder proceeds of 119,000 Bitcoin valued at $4.5 billion, which was stolen in 2016, from a crypto exchange called Bitfinex, the US seized $3.6 billion in Bitcoin from Isla Lichtenstein, 34, and Heather Morgan, 31. Wow, that's a lot of
3: money to steal. See, it's even a bad idea to steal Bitcoin because they originally stole $4.5 billion, and when they finally got caught up, they lost already lost a billion dollars.
0: Well, never mind that. I thought Bitcoin was supposed to be like, untraceable. Right, so how do they trace it if it's untraceable? Just another fallacy about this cryptocurrency. Yeah. Just like it's an inflation hedge, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a whole nother podcast. All right. Well, listen, thank you for your support. If you like our show, love our show, give us a like, five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us some comments. What you want to hear us talk about if this is on YouTube right now, give us a like. Click on that little notification bell so you can be updated every week of our new podcast
1: episodes. We appreciate you. Have a great week. Stay loose. And keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the pain points of wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian and Chris's firm pain capital management at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Pain Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.